Welcome to Shortcut to Slim, a research-based podcast on dieting and nutrition brought to you by GetMealPlans.com. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon. In the last episode, we looked at shame and self-criticism, and if they are as motivational as we think they are. The research on this is clear. Shame tactics do not lead to improvement. The more shame a person feels, the more anxious, detached, and rebellious they become. Using shame also has the unfortunate paradoxical effect of increasing the very behavior you are attempting to stamp out. Anti-smoking campaigns are a real-world example of this. Those campaigns made smokers feel more positively about smoking. Psychologists call this the boomerang effect. After the last episode, a listener emailed asking if the smoking warning cross-applied to food. That is, if you warn a dieter how unhealthy a food is, will they see it more positively or eat more of it? Yes. New evidence suggests that people who are trying to diet end up eating more junk food after seeing negative food police messages. In fact, the findings were near identical to smoking studies. If you put negative messages about junk foods in front of a dieter, they will experience more positive thoughts about junk foods. Even more alarming is how much more of those foods they will then eat. In one study, Dieters were given a positive message or a negative message. For example, desserts with sugar are good for you versus desserts with sugar are bad for you. Afterwards, they were put in a room together to watch a movie where there just happened to be a plate of cookies. Those that heard the negative message consumed 39% more cookies. The people who heard cookies are good for you, they're not the ones that ate more cookies. It was the people who heard cookies are bad for you that ate 39% more cookies. Research theorized this happens because the negative police messages make people feel like their freedom to control their food choice is threatened. I've watched this play out time and time again in vegan and plant-based communities. Actually, let me be super clear about that. No one wants to be policed. You will not convert anyone with judgmental elitism. Praise the efforts someone is making and they'll be more likely to keep doing it. But if you focus on where they fall short, that will stunt their growth and their progress and it may even turn them off completely. Sell the upside to the alternative. Be positive and don't police. But there's something even bigger to consider here. Negative food sentiments are all around us. The government and health organizations like the American Heart Association spew out health warnings telling us to limit calories from saturated fat or sugar. Yet, how many of us still aren't listening? So all this begs the question, if health warnings and shame won't motivate us, what will? The surprising answer here is guilt. Now, I know what you're thinking, wait a minute, aren't guilt and shame the same thing? They're definitely emotional cousins, but cousins aren't siblings or twins, and new mindset research shows us that guilt can be extraordinarily effective, beneficial, and positive. Here's why. People who feel shame suffer. Shamed people dislike themselves. This is not good. But people who feel guilt are invested in learning about themselves and they are motivated to become better. Guilt-prone people are also less concerned about hiding their bad deeds because they are ready to repair the damage. I see this often in our private Facebook group and member forums. 
Here are some examples. One person wrote, it's been about a month since I've cooked anything and I have been eating tons of crappy crap, crap, crap. I've even been ashamed to come in here because of it. But today I finally went to the grocery store, ready to start over. You can see how Shane made her feel bad about herself to the point where she wouldn't even talk to her friends. But once she stopped feeling shame and only felt guilt, she was able to motivate herself to become better and do something. The guilt became transformative. The shame was not. Here's another example. Confession time. I had surgery and I completely fell off the wagon, eating whatever sounded good. I need a little extra encouragement to get back on track today. This person doesn't feel ashamed. They feel guilty for eating what they see as crap, but they're using it to motivate themselves to get back on track and repair. This is maybe the best example of using guilt as motivation. So I'm on my way home from a horribly indulgent 10 day vacation and I am in serious need of a reset. I am going to do the Meal Mentor 2017 detox plan. Anyone have other suggestions? She is not ashamed of what she ate on vacation. She's feeling guilty from all that indulgence, but that guilt is so motivating that on her way home from the airport, she's already making a plan to repair. I think all of this also explains eating in secret. We eat in secret not just because we are ashamed of what we are doing, but of who we are. If you stop the self-shaming or seeing it as shameful or seeing binging as shameful, chances are you will stop doing it. It's okay to feel guilty about what you ate, but guilt is not shame. This Alcoholic Anonymous study is a fantastic testament to the difference in the guilt versus shame mindset. The researchers in this study wanted to see if they could predict sobriety success based on how much shame or guilt the new alcoholic felt. They interviewed people who were newly sober, asking them to describe their past experiences with drinking. Based on their words and body language, psychologists could evaluate how much shame or guilt each person had. Here's the mind-blowing part. Four months later, the alcoholics who felt guilty but little shame about their drinking averaged eight drinks. But those with the most shame, the top 10%, averaged 118 drinks. That's 110 more drinks in the same four-month period. Those who had a shameful relationship to their drinking found it much harder to recover from a slip-up. Did that just blow your mind too? Yeah, totally. The alcoholics who felt guilty but not ashamed basically stayed sober. Those who felt ashamed definitely did not. Harboring shame makes it more difficult to recover from a transgression. However, guilt not shame, can help motivate you to improve your behavior because guilt, not shame, is the remorseful awareness of having done something wrong. This remorseful awareness as the success tipping point is best demonstrated through research on inmates. According to a study by the Bureau of Justice, 67.5% of released prisoners are rearrested for a felony or serious misdemeanor within three years. That's disheartening to hear, but it also means that 32.5% do not return. So why did those inmates beat the odds? Guilt. Guilt-prone inmates, that is, inmates who felt guilty about their past wrongs and were motivated to confess, apologize, and fix the problems they caused when released, are less likely to be re-arrested. 
Of course, there are other important factors as well, including access to treatment, jobs, family, and community support, but the powerfulness of guilt can't be overstated here. Now, you may be wondering, why does guilt work but not shame? Surely there are inmates who are horribly ashamed of what they did. Wouldn't those feelings motivate them equally or more so than the inmates who just felt a little guilty? Here's the big problem with shame. With shame, we don't just see our behavior as wrong or mistaken, we see ourselves as fundamentally bad people, broken. Shame is experienced as a negative metric of who we are. Think back to Crumb's housekeepers who were told they were exercise superstars. The effect you expect is the effect you get. When you feel shame for what you ate or didn't eat, for what you did or did not do, for how much body fat you have, that shame becomes global. You feel bad about who you are. You believe you have no control over adverse outcomes. You feel extreme distress and want to shrink, avoid, escape, or hide. Feeling ashamed also causes you to blame others and look for scapegoats. Guilt, however, is an awareness of wrongdoing that is limited to a specific situation. With guilt, you do not feel bad about who you are as a person. You feel bad about what you did. You feel remorse. You recognize personal control and become motivated to repair the damage and make amends. Put simply, guilt-prone people take and see their personal responsibility. Perhaps the best comparative demonstration of guilt versus shame is in the asking of one simple question. With shame, you ask, how could I have done that? With guilt, you ask, how could I have done that? Is this all mindset? You bet. This also connects to what you've been hearing me say all season. You can't take care of a thing you hate. Shame is self-hate. But I get it. It's easy to make personal attacks and conflate guilt with character flaw. To wrap up here, flawed acts do not provide evidence you are a flawed person. Take personal responsibility for your actions. Don't blame external forces or factors. Bad bosses, bad days, bad timing, all the bad things are never going to go away. Feel the guilt. Draw attention to the specific action that led to the harm. Ask, what is the specific action that led to this harm? And if you've been wondering since episode two what Watkins meant when he said, in order to be brilliant every day, you have to make an effort to understand what is going on on the inside and ask difficult questions, this is it. This is that question. Ask, what is the specific action that led to this self-harm? To summarize, guilt is helpful, shame is not. It's not good to always feel guilty, but at times, guilt conveys benefits. If you feel guilty, it's because you care. Take reassurance in that. I recommend listening to this episode a few times. It took me months to fully grasp and understand the difference between guilt and shame, and it won't sink in all at once. I've also included a helpful visual aid that summarizes the main points here, comparing shame to guilt in a chart. In the show notes, it can really help to take a look at it, and you can see it at getmailplans.com slash podcast. You've been listening to Shortcut to Slim. If you like what you've heard, please rate it on iTunes. You can get more information about this topic and learn more about other episodes at getmealplans.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Dixon.
Download your free seven-day research-based meal plan at GetMealPlans.com and leave the science and guesswork to me. Thanks for listening.